Everyone seems to be thinking about nuclear issues in the current context of the crisis in Ukraine, but there will also be some consequences and effects for the global nuclear order beyond the immediate threats issued by Vladimir Putin in current discussions of uh, deterrence and extended nuclear deterrence. Um, I'm Steven Herzog, and I'm here with my colleague, uh, Alex Bullfrost, and we are senior researchers at the Center for Security Studies at ETH Zurich, and we're gonna talk a little bit today about the global nuclear order in the Ukraine crisis. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, so the first kind of topic we can think about is proliferation, the spread of nuclear weapons to new countries. You can imagine that however this war will end, everyone at this point knows that the Ukrainians gave up a sizable chunk of the Soviet nuclear arsenal back in the 90s in exchange for security assurances from the Russians but also from the Americans and the Brits. And they will obviously observe what happened to, to the Ukrainians and contrast that with countries like Iran and North Korea, who seem to be holding on to uh, either uh, a mature nuclear arsenal or the capability of making one. And then further comparing that to what happened to Saddam Hussein in Iraq and uh, Colonel Gaddafi in Libya and might reevaluate how valuable nuclear weapons could be to them. Yeah, Alex, absolutely. I think that's true. And this is a really interesting year in 2022. The 2020 NPT review conference uh, has been delayed until this year. Um, there were already going to be divisions between the nuclear haves and have-nots, which are perhaps amplified because of also the upcoming first conference of the state's parties for the uh, treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. And I think what you point to is really quite interesting because for some countries, they may see uh, enhanced incentives for proliferation or to receive security assurances from great powers. So a much greater emphasis on nuclear weapons uh, and nuclear deterrence, whereas other countries will, of course, say, look, we have potential nuclear crisis between NATO and the Russian Federation. Uh, and so maybe this is a reason why we need nuclear disarmament. And so I really think the crisis and conflict going on in Ukraine will really amplify these divisions between the nuclear haves and have-nots. That's exactly right. I mean, another way of putting uh, you know, the amplification of divisions is polarization. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. A lot of countries, when, it, when they consider the value of nuclear weapons and whether the world should be working very hard towards getting rid of them, or whether nuclear weapons are actually a stabilizing force in the international order, uh, not a lot of minds are going to be changed on that subject. I think everyone is going to read the intensity of this conflict and all the details in a way that further confirms what they already believe. It's probably true. And one thing that the great powers have done is they've really in the past focused on bilateral arms control uh, between the United States and Russia, the series of SALT treaties, also the INF and the START and New START. And they've looked at those as a way to prove that the great powers were truly interested in making progress on their NPT Article 6 nuclear disarmament commitments. And there is some good evidence for this. In, in the 1980s, there was a peak level of about 70,000 nuclear weapons. And today that's down to just a little bit over 13,000. So there has been some progress. But things have slowed in recent years with the invasion of Crimea, takeover of Crimea invasion in 2014, uh, with Syria uh, and the different positions between the United States and Russia. 
And now with this invasion that we see in Ukraine as well, I think we're really unlikely, at least in the short to medium term, to see kind of uh, bilateral nuclear arms control initiatives along this phased path that we've seen uh, in the past. And so I think, again, that will only amplify this division and this idea that the great powers are not fulfilling their commitments towards NPT Article 6. I think that makes complete sense. And there's a lot of reasons to be as pessimistic as you seem to be when, when laying out that history. Uh, you're, you know, you're right. Of all the arms control agreements that, that you mentioned at this point, only New START still exists. It is set to expire in 2026. Really hard to imagine the U.S. and the Russians wanting to extend that uh, together. So we might be facing a world in which there are absolutely no limits on on the big nuclear arsenals uh, in the world. But if we really want to be grasping for some kind of cause for optimism and hope, it's that Russia will need some kind of way of returning to international respectability, and arms control would be a really good way of doing that. It's hard to imagine any kind of future American administration turning down a good faith effort by the Russian Federation to reduce their respective nuclear arsenals. So I think this is a good point, and it is a slightly more positive take in the nuclear sphere, something to perhaps be taken away from the conflict we see now. Uh, and I also think that perhaps having gone through the experience of nuclear threats and elevated risk, maybe the Ukraine crisis will actually open up some space for reducing nuclear dangers in the bilateral and multilateral context, even though this may be more of a long-term issue rather than a short-term issue. Let's hope it turns out that way. And thanks everyone for listening. It's been a pleasure.